Are you a hairdresser or barber? Do you want to take your career to the next level but unsure how? Then this is the podcast for you. Hello and welcome to The Successful Stylist Unfoiled. I'm your host, Crystal Wilson. I've worked in the hair and beauty industry for the last 10 years, working my way up through some of the largest salons from each corner of the globe. Throughout my career, I've always been infatuated with the industry influencers, the people who have been able to make a name for themselves and have a flourishing career as a hairstylist. On this podcast, I'll be sitting down and talking to hair and beauty professionals who have taken their career to the next level. The ones who have gone from working behind the chair to exploring another avenue within the industry. From the platform artists, educators, business owners, TV and celebrity stylists, published, self-employed, brand-sponsored, and more, I'm sitting down and asking them how they've done it. I know these accolades can seem unattainable, so I'm making it my mission to break down the barriers, stereotypes, and simplify the process to make the dreams that you have more attainable. Join me every week on The Successful Stylist Unfoiled. Hello and welcome episode two of The Successful Stylist Unfoiled. Today, my guest is Owen McCarthy, who is a barber from Ireland originally, but now living in Melbourne, Australia. So we talk a bit about how that happened and how he was able to make the transition from Ireland to Australia and be so successful. He's got like 16,000 followers or something on Instagram. And, you know, he's had a really successful journey in hairdressing and he's only been in the industry for about five years, which I think is quite rare to have success so soon. Um, We dive into how he got into hairdressing and he's a barber, but all of that and how he is now sponsored by a clipper company and a scissor company and educates for them around the world. So he's been to China and I think for people who aren't in it or, you know, aspire to be like that, it just seems unattainable. And how do you end up working for a company and educating in China? So he walks us through the process of how it was actually quite organic for him and, and how networking at events and classes and actually participating in classes yourself, not just educating, um, as the educator is really so helpful. So it's quite a deep convo, you know, it's not quite as giddy as Brian and I were on our last episode, but he is a wealth of knowledge for only being in the industry for not that long of a time. He's won so many awards. He was the 2016 Irish apprentice of the year, barbering apprentice of the year, which is quite huge in your first year to win an award. I think we all might know, you know, that seems like unattainable again all these things so I really wanted to sit down and talk to him and see how he's been able to have so much success so quickly so let's dive into Owen McCarthy and myself okay so I am here with my second guest and I would like to give you a nice Irish welcome (laughs) hell yeah Uh, that's the extent of my um Someone's gonna kill me. He's gonna be like, "You're gonna break me drum." <laughs> no, thank you very much for having me on. Um, oh my god, I'm so excited that you were willing to do this. Yeah, no, thank you very much. I really, um, I guess, I'm excited for you starting this new journey with the interviews and the podcasts and stuff like that. It's great. Thanks. You're using your time quite well throughout um, this lockdown to to get like something new yeah, well, we're both in melbourne in lockdown aren't we so there's not really yeah. much for us to be 
able to do. So I was just finding myself going a bit stir crazy. And what I love about the industry is the social interaction and the talking and getting to have conversations with our clients and our colleagues, you know, like that's the fun of why most of us are a hairdresser. And I'm like, how am I going to fill that talking void? (laughs) And I thought I might as well start kind of having these conversations of things that I've wanted to know anyway and record it and see if it, you know, anything comes of it. And I'm sure if I have questions, other people do. So Definitely. I was actually speaking to one of the boys this morning about that. One of the guys I, I work with, um, we were just out for a little bike ride and we were saying it's going to be weird when we go back actually socializing and interacting with people again. Yeah. Get, like it's just we're used to only talking to a few people. Yeah. But and I like, feel like it's given us like, this uncomfortable thing about being around people even like one of my girlfriends lives down the street and I even asking her to go for a walk. I'm like, is that okay? Like, am I allowed to actually do that? Like it's put this weird thing that all you want to be is with people, but then you like are afraid to be with people. It's so strange, (laughs) especially for people like us who are always surrounded by people and talking and in close proximity. Yeah. I've quite enjoyed the the bit of downtime as well. And sometimes myself, I guess I was used to it before I, I was actually in the hair industry. I used to spend a lot of time by myself um and like in my own head and stuff so it's kind of nice to just get that little bit of a breather it's like a forced break because you know what it's like yourself when you're working in the shop you you very rarely have a break or you give you rarely give yourself a break i should say um because we're just like that kind of on the move type of people aren't we as hairdressers or barbers yeah Uh, we're just always go 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 so it's been actually it's been a lovely time Well, you saying that, like what you did before hairdressing and being in your head and all this stuff, I would love to give you the opportunity to kind of give yourself a little intro if you wanted and just maybe tell me maybe how you got into hairdressing or I know you're a barber, but what you did maybe before that or yeah, a little snippet of um, you. I'll try and condense this as much as possible. Um, We we got nowhere to be, so (laughs) I'm all ears. (laughs) Whenever I start um, education now or classes or anything where I'm like presenting um, my work, I always start it off and I'm like, okay, this is like the part that I hate the most, you know, where you have to talk about yourself for like yeah. five minutes and just give yourself like quick little synopsis. But so I started um, hairdressing or barbering, um, as you could say, whatever you want to call it, about five years ago. Um, before that, when I left school, um, I was actually a professional cyclist, so I went full-time cycling from when I was 18 until I was 17, really, until oh I was gosh. about... gosh, what does 20. that even mean, a professional cyclist? Like, you get paid to ride your bike? <laughs> Don't laugh at me. Yeah, <laughs> like... yeah so it's like, it's like um, yeah, you just get paid. I was on a team in Europe, a couple of different teams in Belgium. So I was based in Belgium, and we have, like, a trade team sponsor, and I was riding with the Irish national team and stuff like that. So Incredible. you just get, like, your wage to to race bikes pretty much. Um, but that was like something that was just natural progression from when I was a kid, you know, and you do anything as a, as a young kid, you just aspire to be like, you know, if you're a footballer, you aspire to play in the premiership type of yeah, thing. Yeah, so totally. My version was like cycling. So I, I, I did that for four years. Um, and how I got into hair, a lot of people always ask, is like, oh, geez, that's a quite a big career change that you've had, you know, like going from cycling, like riding bikes to like, 
now you're cutting hair like how did how did that how does that happen or what happened there but um, it's quite simple really um i've always been around the salon environment because my mom is a hairdresser so she had a salon for about 30 years now in in my hometown so she's been around and where is your hometown so i'm from cork in ireland originally um, i always say cork. irish cities are like my boyfriend's gonna kill you but like easy i'm like you know like cork mayo like simple small i can remember them like one's mayo a, nays <laughs> that's how i remember one, where he's from <laughs> one, one syllable that's all i need yeah little but simple I'm, names i like it so i'm from cork in, in ireland and obviously we're in australia now um but i get to i get to that part all right when I'm sitting waiting um but i so yeah when i finished cycling um it was kind of like i ran out of talent i guess with cycling and i ran like you know when you start doing something that you're passionate about and it becomes work it just kind of got a little bit labor like it became almost like a chore i should say mm. um so i just thought you know i wasn't really enjoying it anymore i was having a lot of bad accidents and obviously i'd given up everything to be a cyclist i wasn't really um you know i was completely had like tunnel vision i had complete tunnel vision with cycling and i never saw myself doing anything else but when I finished up, you know, I was kind of sitting around for a few weeks, didn't know what I wanted to do, but I did know I'd missed the traveling aspect of, of cutting hair or sorry, of cycling. Yeah. So I was like, what am I going to do? So I just started cutting my friends and family's hair and stuff in, in my hometown. I wasn't really planning on becoming a, a hairdresser or a barber. It wasn't really uh, something that I ever really thought of, even though my mom was a, a salon owner and a, successful hairdresser in her own right it just wasn't something that I thought of but I started to really enjoy it actually after a few weeks and it was making me a bit of money and I was like you know I went and did a few other job interviews funny enough my brother actually works um, so my family are in the motor business as well like the motor trade so my brother works at Mercedes and I actually interviewed for his job like before he got it so it's kind oh, of funny. Really? so yeah that's that's how I kind of got into the hair industry so I was cutting hair and I built quite a good, I guess, clientele. In my How did you have your training? Like for me, like I went to college, I went to hair school and then I did an apprenticeship after that. So I had like four years of training where it seems like you just naturally were good at it or how did that happen for you? Yeah, I mean, I kind of, I didn't go the conventional route with it. I guess in Ireland and in the UK, there's not really any specific um, qualification that you need to be able to work in the industry. I know okay, that so you don't need a license a of, or anything like that. Yeah, no, it's, and it's different than a lot of different countries, you know, like over here. And I think, you know, especially in, in America. And oh my God. Yeah, they're very you need, you need like to be going to hair school to get your certificate or whatever. Yeah. Um, but initially I just, I kind of just learned it was, I was mostly self-taught really. Um, my mom taught me a lot at the beginning with, to do with the scissors. So I kind of started my hair journey, I guess, in uh, the mindset of, of a hairdresser. Um, so she taught me how to operate the scissors and work with the scissors oh, and stuff. Cool. And, different and then I actually started up a, a six month barber course, which is part time. It was once a week. And that's where I kind of learned to fine tune my, my clipper work. But I kind of took to the clipper work pretty natural anyway. Um, so yeah, I kind of condensed down my apprenticeship I guess into almost like a year from almost the get-go I was working six days a week um, 
you know, so 12, cool. And you were working 14. for your mom at that point? I was working for myself in her shop. So I'd just rent a chair from her. When I got like, she gave me the first few months, she kind of just let me work there for free. And then when I started becoming like, kind of, when I started making some money, you know, I was living at home too. So I was paying her rent. You better start paying your way, you mooch. Yeah, exactly. So I, I had to do that, you know, for her as well. And, um, cause I was taking up a spot in her shop, but, um, yeah, so I, I pretty much condensed my training down into about a year, I guess. Or, but I'm, st- you know, this is the thing that we're ever, we're always training, you know. Yeah, this, totally. This Such a good better. point. Um, but my initial training, I should say, um, was condensed into a year. So I was pretty confident with my ability after that year. Um, and I guess that kind of came from on the job experience too, which I feel like is the most important thing in, in the training process because, you know, you, you really have to trust your um, intuition when it comes to that kind of stuff when you're in front of clients and stuff. Um, yeah. So I kind of fast-tracked it by doing 12 to 14 hour days, six days a week. That's I was crazy, doing like 20 eh? hours or something. Yeah. So it was like, I really went full hands-on um, into the industry. And after about a year, um, I got the opportunity to come to Australia. My cousin was getting married out here. Um, who moved over from my hometown. So I saw that as a good opportunity because when I was cycling, I never got the chance to kind of come over here and, and visit my cousins and stuff. Um, so you'd never been to Australia before? I was here once when I was nine. My ma- okay. One of my mom's best friends lives in Perth. So okay. we came over when I was nine. Um, but yeah, I can't really remember it, you know. Yeah. When you're nine, you don't remember that much. But then I hadn't been to Australia as in my adult life, you know. So I just came here. I just... So I saw it as an opportunity for, I, initially I thought I'd be here for a year. I didn't really. Don't we all? <laughs> I was like, oh, I'll just go for a year, have a break from what I'm doing. Because in my hometown, I built up that much of a clientele and that much of um, a business for myself that I thought like, okay, I'm kind of set up here now if I want it, you know. Yes, that's exactly the same as me. Exactly the same. Um, so yeah, I was just like, I need to get, I need to get out of here and have a little break and do something different for, for a while first before I'd settle into that kind of yeah, role or job, I guess. But um, had you like always reached... thought about moving overseas and living somewhere else? Yeah, I mean, like when I finished cycling, the the main thing I was gonna, like I said, the main thing I would have missed would have been the traveling. And yeah, when I was living in Europe, where Belgium was our base, but we were traveling all around Europe for different races and stuff, and. You know, it's just like a nice feeling to be on the road. Like, I just love that feeling. Cool. So I always kind of wanted to live overseas. And, you know, I say this a lot in, in different things like this, but in my hometown, you can only, like, it's a small town, you know, it's only 15,000 people or something. So there's only so much you can really do. Like, and I felt like I reached my potential very quickly there. Yeah. So um, I needed to move somewhere like Melbourne where I could kind of expand my, my skill set and, and different things like that. So um, I moved here after a year. Um, when I first initially got here, um, I think I was here about a week and I got a phone call from Ireland saying that I um, won Irish Apprentice of the Year. For oh Barbara. my God. So that was kind of the kickstart that I needed over here as well. It kind of gave me a little bit of confidence. I was like, You can put that on the top of your CVA. Be like, you know, well, I'm yeah, Irish yeah. Apprentice of the Year, so you should hire me. <laughs> so I was like feeling you know quite confident in myself at that point in my skills and stuff but then when I went to area studio where I work now it kind of brought me back down to 
zero again. I was it's like, so funny when you've only worked, say, at one place or like you said, in this small town and you are the best. Like I thought I was the best at my salon. You know, I've worked in this massive salon and I really built my clientele up so quick and I was pumping it out. And I had the highest PPC and all this stuff. And then I came here and I have no clients. I don't know anybody and everything is different. And you're like, oh, fuck, like, who am I, you know? I know, definitely. And that's how I felt, you know, like, I felt like, okay, like, before I started working, I, I remember being at the shop. The second day I arrived in Australia, I went to the shop. So I kind of had the the job before I got here. How did you manage up, that for anybody who I guess is thinking about moving overseas? I think that's a big thing. I felt like I had to have a job lined up before I moved and I was like oh I absolutely like I sent my CV out all over Melbourne and you know had a Sydney was my plan originally and I sent it out and I needed in my head to have a job before I moved and it just kind of doesn't always work out that way and so did you have it before you moved here um yeah so I went to do a course in Dublin before about six weeks before I moved to Australia now I planned this was around August time um but four years ago now um and i planned to move or not move to australia but i planned to come to the wedding around christmas time so um yeah it wasn't exactly like anytime soon but i went to do a course in dublin with a company called menswire and they had just been over here for hair expo at the time and they were in melbourne and they, they did they actually did some education at area studio where i work now so I remember being on that course and I just inquired um, with the head of, of education at Men's Square, Josh, I just said to him, look, what, I'm moving to Australia. Um, do you have any recommendations or anywhere you think that would suit me for work or whatever? And he literally just pulled out his phone and texted Jordan, my boss now, yeah. and said, are, are you guys like still looking for somebody? And he said, yes. And then I he was like, when do you need them? And he was like, well now <laughs> and I was just like well just give me six weeks you know to to wrap everything up in my hometown let everybody know I was, I was going away because I knew it would upset a lot of people especially my family too you know I'd already been living away from home since I was 17 and stuff yeah they'd so be happy to, to be just getting on. you back and then here you are going again yeah so I didn't want to be like really springing it on them like oh I'm moving to Australia in two weeks you know like so um six weeks it was in the end that they had to <laughs> that's wild so then um i just moved here and the second day i got here i went to area studio started working straight away and i've been there ever since but like going back to that point initially it was like when i first got to the shop it was like it was crazy because i was i thought i was great in my hometown i was like yeah you know doing the best fades and best like men's haircuts in, in my hometown and now I'm here and I'm back at the bottom it's like going into secondary school you know when you go from primary school to secondary school yeah that's what it was like for me and um I remember watching like some of the boys haircuts like passing in the mirrors behind me when they were and they were leaving and I was like I've the only time I've ever seen fades or haircuts like that was on Instagram you know like yeah they've seen like photoshop but these boys were doing that kind of stuff in real life and I was like wow okay but like, you know, I, I kind of thrive in situations like that, you know, especially um, when come, coming from my cycling career, I always used to do better in the races that were perceived as harder. Like, you know, I kind of rise up to the level of the place where I'm at. And I think it's important to surround yourself or put yourself in the deep end a little bit. And 
it's kind of a sink or swim situation, you know? And, uh, That's the only way you grow. And I think it's hard when you are in that position where you think you're the best, you know, it feels good when you're that person, you know, when you're the, yeah, the teacher's yeah, yeah. pet or the favorite employee or, you know, the star of the show and it feels yeah. great, but you need that step yeah, down I, to grow. I kind of feel like, I feel like I've achieved everything that I, I can achieve when I feel like that, you know, and I want to move on. Like I remember saying like a couple of weeks before I moved to Australia or before the opportunity came about, I just remember being out for a walk with my mom and, I remember it very clearly and I just remember saying to her like you know there's more there's more to it than this you know like what I'm doing right now like there's I know there's more to it than this as in being uh, behind the chair like you could see yourself doing more than just working in the salon or the barbershop yeah yeah I could yeah. see myself like I could just see there was there was more to it than that in my hometown being the big fish in the small pond like it just there was more to that it, like I knew that I had more in me and I was capable of more than that and there was more to offer like from the industry as well like you know I was, I was like okay I need to to go and explore that and have that's my own exactly uh, how I felt going. too and that's a conversation yeah. I just had with my last guest Brian who okay. I used to work with at my hair salon and I used to think like you know when I worked at the salon I would get all these opportunities to travel and I got to go all over America to classes and shows and I loved it and that's exactly what I wanted. And I, that's what made me realize that there was so much more that I could be on stage if I wanted to, or, you know, I, the thought came, those were when those moments happened that I was like, oh my God, I could do so much more with this, but that there's people yeah. who don't want that. And I think that's something yeah, that yeah. I've come to learn being like, it doesn't mean that they are less passionate or don't love hairdressing or all these things. It's just different. And for so long, I couldn't understand those people and be like, I don't get how you don't see that you could do this or this or this, but they're content going to the salon and being behind the chair and going home. And that's it. That's what they love to do. But the point sure. of these conversations, and I love that you've said that is that's what I want to talk to people who have that little extra oomph of being like there's more to this and that's how I feel that I'm meant yeah. to do something more with hairdressing in this industry and I that's where I want these conversations to go and how you get to that point yeah 100% and you know what I'll probably bring it back to this point a few times throughout like this chat but I really do feel like it comes from my sporting background and like yeah. that ability to be able to dream of something bigger than what you know I always have thought like I want to reach my maximum potential in whatever I do um, and I don't really care I'm not really that much of a competitive person which is kind of bizarre to think you know because I obviously enter some um, competitions and now and stuff but it's not really for the competitive aspect it's more of a challenge for myself and same with cycling I think I feel like that's part of why cycling didn't really work out to me I probably didn't have that real kind of competitive mm. edge in me. Like it's more like an internal thing. Like I loved the process of training and working towards a goal and achieving that goal and feeling that sense of pride when you get there and then immediately putting it under the rug and then moving on to the next one. So like, I feel like it comes like that feeling that I, and that chat that I had with my mom that day, that comes from my cycling career and wanting to reach my maximum potential and you know really explore everything that i possibly can within whatever i do you know um and then that will just ultimately i guess make me happy you know or fulfill yeah. me 
Um, cause I felt like after a year in my hometown, I'd reached like, what more could I do? You know? Yeah. I couldn't really do anymore. Um, it was time to move, to move on. And it's, it's, you know, sometimes you've got, got to just know when the time is to move on and do it for yourself and be brave enough to do that, you know? So, totally. um, but yeah, it's even like understanding, like you, you mentioned something there about understanding other people too, just because I'm, I'm like that, that and you're like that. Um, it doesn't mean that everybody has to be like that, you know, like, or that they're not good hairdressers because they don't have that. And I think exactly. That that, yeah. Exactly. And you know, I, I've obviously stepped into more of an educational type of role now as well. And I really have to understand that as an educator too. And I've seen that, um, throughout my, my journey of education so far, it's like, you really have to understand, you know, someone as a person before you can kind of teach them anything, you know, and understanding that it's okay for them to do and be on their own journey as well. They don't have to be doing the same stuff as you. So like coming in from a place of non-judgment with everybody as well is really important. I feel in the educational standpoint, like of, of the industry too, you know? Yeah. Um, because it's, it's got so many dimensions to it. And the, the hair industry, it's, it's very like, since I started doing hair and initially going back to my story and coming through um, and understanding the hair industry from the start, I remember very early on just discovering um, Instagram and the hair world within Instagram. Yeah. And that is what really gave me them kind of, I guess, visions or dreams. Like I've seen people on stage and presenting their work and traveling around the world and doing all these amazing things with hair that I never really saw as I never thought about the hair industry like that because my mom, she's a very successful salon owner, but she never really stepped into that side of the industry because yeah, that's not wasn't world. for her yeah she was content and she's happy running her fully booked shop very successful shop you know she's got a lot of personal success out of it too she's sitting quite happy and comfy now like and she's just happy with that but yeah. i think the sporting background and stuff like that real kind of drive and work ethic kind of means that living a life like hers just isn't enough for me personally. I wanted to like push things to the absolute limits that I yeah. could. And if I fail in doing that, then I don't, I don't even care. You know, like that's exactly what I've said. I'm like, if I, if this is a flop, I don't care. I did it for myself. Yeah, I'm I, like, who am I trying to do anything for other than myself? Exactly. Exactly. And you know, um, if you get the external gratification, then great. Actually, I've been writing some, um, some blogs recently and I, I wrote one for, um, for this week for the cutthroat journal and it's kind of talking about that point about like you know being happy with what you have while you work for what you want it's it's kind of like touches on that point of like not really caring it, you shouldn't be seeking that external gratification you should yeah. have that feeling internally always and um and that's kind of where that side of the industry came from for me i guess um but no, it's been really, it's been a crazy journey so far. I think um, you've done a lot. And even just hearing you in the beginning saying that it's only been about five years, eh? That you've been yeah, in yeah, the industry. Years, That's a short. lot for me to be, you know, I want to pick your brain and learn how you got into education and sponsorships and all and international education and all this stuff. And, you know, a lot of that doesn't come to people that soon. So I think no. this is a great thing for people to, here that you know you don't have to have 
20 years experience. Like you can, but you don't have to, and you can be successful and really make something of it if you're willing to put in the work. And yeah. I love, it. I love like breaking stereotypes and stuff as well. Like, you know, or I love breaking like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like I like proving our perceptions wrong in a way. Like, yeah. you know, people always say, and hairdressing in many respects and then can be very old school in terms of like how things are, are done and how mm-hmm. things are supposed to happen. But I like to kind of break the mold with that. Like, I mean, I kind of came into it and without all that, um, up, like coming up to the salon as an apprentice and, you know, yeah. sweeping the floor and all that kind of stuff. And I never really had that. I just kind of st- stepped straight into it and I was like on the go from, from the get go. And, you know, I want to be able to show people that they can do that too. And, and that's why now at area we're setting up the academy and stuff. It's the kind of, I want to share with people starting in industry, our experiences and help them on their personal development journey and give them the confidence that they need, you know, to, to be able to go and reach whatever heights they want within their career. Because I never had any restrictions put on me, you know, like I didn't have, that nasty manager or that boss that told me you're not good enough. I never really had that, um, yeah. which is, you know, I think pivotal, like within, within your career. And I think I, I did have that in cycling. Like I had that in cycling a few times, a few managers were just real nasty and stuff and told me that, you know, you'd never make it here. It never make it there. Yeah. I always had, I, you know, I, I always believed no, that I didn't. would do it anyway. <laughs> So I was like, uh, I'm just going to prove them wrong. You know, like it's, it's yeah. always good to have somebody to prove wrong in a way, but yeah, in another way, it's like, <clears throat> if you're being brought down all the time like that, it's not going to get you to where you want to be either. So, yeah, um, I think it's also a big thing is finding your niche and finding what you are good at. I think for me, a lot of it, I've been really trying to do everything, you know, like I really Mm. am seeing all these people do avant-garde photo shoots and um, cutting and color. And I'm like, oh, I need to do that. I need to do that. But I actually don't have any vision for that. Like, that's not what I'm good at. I am good at Mm. color and I am good at talking. So, yeah. like, which is why I'm probably running behind all the time on my colors because <laughs> I talk too much. <laughs> no, but for sure. I think, I think that's, finding that's what point. you're good at and yeah. that is what makes you feel good too. Because if you're trying to be good at all these things, you, you yeah. some people are, but yeah, I felt like I was trying to fit in in these big maybe salons to be this polished kind of person and the hairdresser that I am not. So, yeah, I think that's what yeah, I feel like it's important to like you know I think it changes too all the time what you feel like you're good at or what you enjoy at that particular moment because um, you know even now like for me going more into the educational side of the industry and more of the editorial side of the industry is kind of my main focus over working on the floor whereas like up to a couple of years ago that would have been something that was only a dream and working on the floor was my strength so yeah. I think at the moment I'm still I feel like I'm still kind of dipping my finger into every seeing kinda, what feels right yeah kind of testing the water in different areas and just seeing what I like and what I don't like I want to kind of try it all yeah. and see what I like and what I don't like um, and you know I feel like you can you know eventually you'll find what what your niche is and you're st- I'm still I still 
still feel like I'm looking for that. I'm not really totally. 100% sure. Um, and yeah. I think you, it's an ever-changing industry too, and you're always growing. So That's what I love being about able it. Of, being able to do a little bit of everything is good too, you know? How do you feel like you've gone from being behind the chair and doing haircuts all the time to now being in this education space and also doing international education? Like how, how did you make that transition? Was it something that was offered to you? Did you come up with the concept of the academy? Like how did this kind of happen? Um, so at the moment, I'm still cutting full-time on the shop. Yeah. Um, and the academy stuff and the education is just kind of on the side. Um, so the educational side of the industry, like I said from the beginning, when I discovered all that side of the industry on Instagram, that's something that I was really interested in and I, and I wanted to be involved in it, but I, I knew that I, I might like, you know, have to just do my time and yeah. learn a lot about myself first before I step into that. But it kind of just happened very quickly. Um, I was about, I was cutting for about two years. I was only in Australia for about a year before the opportunity got presented to me. Um, that was at the Hair Expo in Sydney and and this were setting up an uh, education team, um, their first ever Australian education team. So they had a few of us boys from area trial out for it and stuff. And So they approached you guys through your salon or through your barbershop? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, they did. And then we met them in Sydney and we did like a trial um, on their stand. And then we had a meeting the next day. And then we had to send another few little trials and stuff like that to them and videos. I think they wanted to be able to just see that we could like speak and stuff like that. Yeah. And then, and is that something that has always been comfortable for you speaking and having yeah, these conversations and stuff? Like you feel comfortable with that? Yeah, I feel pretty comfortable with it now. I think when I was cycling, we used to get media trained. Oh, so like nice. I had media training from when I was like maybe 15 or 16, um, because, you know, obviously you're going to be speaking to journalists and reporters and stuff after races. So you couldn't really be saying anything con- too controversial. Like, mm-hmm. so we got... Which isn't training. really a thing in the hair industry. <laughs> no, it's not really. And I it like be that a bit too, more you know? candid. I, I feel like you can just say whatever you want, really, in, in the hair industry, and it's kind of accepted with, you know, within reason, you know. Um, yeah. I, I, I still feel that media training coming out of me sometimes, but... Um, it's good to have know, that to professional be- side. I think sometimes that lacks in the industry, too. You know, that yeah. we don't maybe have that professionalism or that polished... Yeah, I think the, the main thing I still take from that is knowing where the line is. Like, you know, not to cross that line. Like, not, I don't go too far with anything. Yeah. Um, because you just never know who's listening. But, um, so going back to the... We did the, the auditions uh, with Endis. That's where we were at for the... Yeah, so we did that. And then pretty much they accepted um, a couple of us from the shop onto the team. And that's how the education stuff started, really. It was kind of sink or swim, just like jump at the deep end. So I started doing classes for them. And then it kind of just happened organically. Like, you believe it or not, like, I've never once sent a pitch email to a salon to see if they wanted to do education. It's all been just people approaching me. And the reason for that as well is because I haven't been doing it on a full-time basis. I've been still working in the shop. Um which I still feel is very important and something that I'll always do because working in the shop is, is keeping me current too and, what I, and, you know, seeing the upcoming trends and stuff like that and really just keeping, you know, the body moving and keeping fresh on the tools and keeping, you know, technique fresh in the mind. But um, 
so yeah, I, I, I really kind of started doing the education part-time just on the side and then people would contact me online uh, and ask me to do like education with them one-on-one or in their salon. And then, you know, it just kind of evolves from there. You notice like, it's like a ball rolling down a hill and yeah. people contact you from different, they see you at Expo. Like, so the next year I went to Andes. Which um, is where we Andis, met. Andis. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So like, th- this, that's the thing. This is another thing. Even doing this interview is like, you know, it comes from industry events like that. So yeah, it's just like a ball rolling down a hill. And Love you that you call it an interview. Very formal. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I guess this chat, isn't it? Whatever, maybe. Um, whatever you want to call it. But um, yeah, so from there, a lot of different and opportunities. So when they're messaging you and asking, hey, oh, and I want you for this event or this class at my salon, say in Melbourne, are they hiring you as yourself or they're hiring you and you're getting paid through Andis? Or like, how does that kind of work? Do you decide that? Do you? Yeah, a lot of the stuff, see, so Andis kind of acts like an agency. So they set up the workshops and you you just step in and do some stuff uh, once in a while. And, you know, with Andis, I've had some really, really cool experiences at like Hair Expo. They've brought me to China a few times. Um, amazing. Which is pretty cool. So like that's a really, you know, cool um, little thing that I have going on with them and a good relationship that I have going on with them. And then obviously the other stuff, yeah, I've done it for, for myself. Uh, up to this point and so now we're moving towards area academy cool. which i have founded with my my current boss jordan yeah. so we're founding that at the moment and we're still working on it and you know the coronavirus stuff is kind of holding us back slightly uh, we had a few courses we've had to understandable <laughs> um but other, other than that it would have been it would have been up and running already you know i think our first workshop was meant to be maybe tomorrow even, you know. Or, it's crazy, isn't it? It's like... Sunday or something, yeah. I had just crazy. booked a Sunlights class as well for the week after. Like, we had just got put into lockdown and I was like, oh, like, this was what I needed. You know, we get that fuel and that fire from doing education and the excitement and prep and all of that. Like, I love that. And the fact that, yeah. you know, I missed it by three days or something of getting to go into the salon and educate. It gets the ball rolling exactly like you said. Yeah. And it's just such a, you know, I get such a good feeling from it, I guess having all that experience from Andes and working on stage and, you know, helping other people within the industry. Um, when I went back to the shop after that, like my, my buzz kind of had changed slightly and I still get a buzz out of working in the shop for sure. But I always knew, like, when, when, I'm, when I'm working in the shop, I'm just like, can't wait for that next education day or, yeah. you know, that's when I get most of my um, joy and, yeah. and kind of good feeling from, from what I do. But, um, but yeah, I guess w- within the education side of things, it's kind of tough right now because it's kind of hard to know when we can actually set up the next workshop or I don't want to reschedule anything again. But yeah, it's very exactly. exciting for when... For when we do get it up and running, like right now, throughout this time in the lockdown period, I've been working every day, like putting hours in every day to, to different training plans, getting everything ready. And are you coming up with the concepts for, say I'm taking your course and the course is laid out with, we're going to do a fade, we're going to do scissors overcome, like whatever, <laughs> not a barber. Yeah. But <laughs> are you coming up with that curriculum and how do you do that if you are? 
Yeah, so, I mean, over the years, um, like I said, when I started educating, it was sink or swim, so I just kind of jumped into the deep end. and um, Pretty much, I'd like to just share my thought process with people mm. and like the reason why we do everything, not just what we do, but the reason why we do it. And I feel like the more I've done that over the years, the more I've started to understand my own um, techniques and my own process behind what I do. And now it's just about putting that down on, on paper really and coming up yeah. with plans and and it's also taking in all the other boys um ideas as well so i'm kind of like directing it and coming up with the ideas and the plans but then the boys are also coming to me with their ideas and their plans and we're just trying to grow the overall um team and and make really really nice like and you know efficient and effective training plans for modern men's haircutting. Cool. And do you ever worry? So say I take a class, you know, and I'm learning this new foil placement, whatever. And that's what I'm now doing in the salon. And then when people are asking me, I'm sharing that and I'm like, Oh, but I didn't invent this placement. Do you ever feel like that, that you have to reinvent something a bit? So you're not almost taking somebody else's education. Yeah. I mean, look, uh, that's, that's a, that's a tough, um, it's hard, uh, isn't it? Because it's like we all are cutting and foiling and doing the same kind of thing, but a bit different. How do you keep it relevant and unique, I guess, that mm. you're not biting yeah, from someone else? It's definitely important to keep it original. And I feel like by just being real and being on ourselves, like I feel I, I pride myself on that so far with my education. I'm just very real and I'm just myself. Like I don't like to think anyway that there's an, any other version of me than what you get like so what you see is what you get yeah um and with what you're saying about that i mean at the beginning we always put out a disclaimer to the class and say look we're not coming up with any of this like everything that i'm talking about is something that i've learned from somewhere else and you know i'm just kind of i guess repeating it but way. but in my own way and you know, I'm taking a little bit of everything from different people, what I like, you know, and what I've learned from and kind of coming up with my most efficient way or my most effective yeah. way of, of teaching it. And, you know, there's a difference between, I feel like there's a difference between innovation and creativity. Like, you know, being creative doesn't mean that we have to come up with something out of nothing and innovate it like from, from new. It's just yeah. like seeing what, where there's a gap in the market and, you know, seeing what's there and what's not there and trying to like meet, like kind of cross that over in the middle. And that's where we're kind of aiming at. And, I think you know, that's really important that's for people to understand because that's something that I have struggled with being like, you know, I work for this big balayage company and I, the, the things that Candy Say has come up with, like the terms and all of this stuff, I'm like, oh my God, this is incredible. But how am I going to come up with something different? Like, that's mm. the same, like, you know, it's so hard and I feel it discourages you yeah. being like, well, I could never do it because I'm not going to think of this whole structure, but you're right. You take the pieces that you like from each and I'm not claiming it as my own. I didn't invent, you know, balayage, but I have learned yeah. things from different people. And that's a good way to disclaim, like you said, put a disclaimer in the beginning and say, mm -hmm. this is just what I practice and I use. Definitely. And I feel like, you know, a lot of the people who are in them education roles and teaching, they have learned it from somewhere else too. They're not making it up either. Yeah. Um, but, you know, 
obviously if you take somebody's work and copy it like completely word to word like word to word like the exact same then it's yeah it's not really the right thing to do is it like you shouldn't really do that because you know people will see through it if it's not original and it's not like you're not going to be able to do it the same way or as effectively yeah I agree. um so that's something i feel like it's taken years like so i started my education journey within the industry um three years ago now and now we're only really starting to set up the academy properly so um patience. it's taken me that three years of, of experience and patience like you said seeing what works seeing what doesn't work really understanding where that gap is in the, in the market and trying to go for it you know yeah. and enjoying it at the same time so no, it's been good it's been good but yeah that's something i feel like we definitely see in the barbering industry as well like i don't know how, how closely you follow that but there is a lot of people trying to achieve the same thing i guess um yeah. and it's just it's exactly the same with, with with hairdressing right like there's so many companies or salons or brands that are on the same journey or the same like you know you could say the same thing about the shop we're all trying to cut people's hair color people's hair generally there's enough clients to go around for everybody and every salon or every education company will have a different flavor and it's just yeah. about like picking what flavor you want to add to your own uh, skills yeah um so Love yeah it. that's good and do you see yourself staying here in australia like uh, i mean a visa situation is a whole nother situation so <laughs> sometimes it's not even about wanting to but i know you're saying you've been here four years you must be coming different. to the end kind of of visa options or do you have a yeah so plan? i'm currently i'm currently i have a couple of more years left on my visa here okay. um i don't really have too much of a plan beyond that um i would love to stay here i'd love if the rules changed or if there was a way i could yeah. get permanent residency i would love to stay here for the foreseeable future i just see myself as, as you know i've built a profile here now and i can kind of do what I want to do essentially and achieve the goals that I want to achieve here whereas like you know my plan b or my other uh, option which I, I never really like to have plan b's like even when I was cycling I didn't have a plan b but because if, if, I feel like when plan a gets too hard you might just revert to plan b and say ah, yeah it's, it's okay totally. plan b. so I'm just tr trying to stick with like one track mind at the moment like and just work um, on staying here um, but you know my other options don't really intrigue me too much. Like yeah. I love the lifestyle here and stuff. Like you know, you can go. Down to the I think if you end up, if you want to stay, you make you find a way to stay. Yeah, like look, I'll I'll do my best. I'll, yeah. I won't go down without a fight anyway. That's for sure. <laughs> I'll try and stay. I think I feel like you know, this is where my career is for for the foreseeable and and you know, and you know my personal life too. I th I feel like it would it would suffer back at home or anywhere else so it's no this is my plan anyway to stay here Love it. fingers crossed and what's what's the next goal where what's the big dream for the moment I, I just want to be able to kind of split my time between education and the shop equally I feel like that's the next goal I never like to look too far into the future because like you know five years ago I was a cyclist and I never even thought about hair so yeah, I don't really I think that's like, a really great takeaway I, for people watching this and why I wanted to have these conversations is I think that we all feel like we have to have it figured out or oh my god I'm 25 and I haven't like you know all these things and it's like 
exactly what you said five years ago you were in Ireland riding a bike and you know now you're this great amazing educator and barber and living this life in Australia and I mean we're in lockdown and who could have thought of that yeah, but, like, right you just I never know. get caught it's up and discouraged so much by the failure that we see potentially happening that we don't take the lead yeah. just so much that's out of our control like you can't really even think too far ahead obviously you know you got to have an idea or something to work towards but I don't like to really think about the long, long-term plans as they're always changing, you know, like something like right now it's, it's the Academy and that's the next thing that I want to focus on and getting that up and running properly. And then after that, we'll see what happens, you know, yeah. along the journey of, of making that happen. I'm going to, you know, come, I guess, in contact with a lot of other different potential opportunities or, you know, things that might and that's the really great thing with education too is you get to meet so many people like yeah people who share the same other barbers you you know like yeah and generally it's the people who are doing education um are people who share a similar kind of passion for the industry and growing and learning than you do like so actually you know what like another good thing and that people might be able to take away from it is like do educate and share your you know, your knowledge of people because in turn, like it actually in turn helps you to, to learn more as well. Like by sharing, you learn more about yourself and your skills and your, like you as a person, yeah. um, for example. But, and you know, I mean, you get to meet so many people who are like-minded um, and share similar passion for the industry as you. So like, that's why I really enjoy it. And, and you know, it, it's got that different element to it compared to the shop as well because on the sh- in the shop you're meeting people f- from your community you know so you know as as a educator your kind of focus shifts from you know helping people within the community and you know having a chat with them and and kind of like you know talking to people almost like a counselor like for their problems i was just gonna helping. say it's different than being the therapist to being the educator exactly exactly and then you go from that to you know, helping other people within your industry um, better their skills and their understanding and give them a new perspective so that they can potentially charge more money so that yeah. they can earn a better way of living. So it's like you're still, you're helping people in both ways. Um, and that's, you know, something that I get um, internal satisfaction from. So that's the next goal. Just work on the area education stuff, the academy, build that up and just see where it takes us because... You know, you just never know what's going to happen next. Love it. I feel like that has been a very informative session for myself and all you people watching <laughs> or listening or I whatever feel, the I, heck this is going to be. <laughs> like I said at the start, like, I, I feel, um, I almost feel a bit like weird sometimes when I'm talking about myself like that so much, but I guess that's what this is for, you know? Um, and I feel like I have a lot just, just so much more. I, I could talk like this for hours, to be honest. Yeah. I could just talk about different topics and stuff like that, you know, my, my views and, and how, I, how I perceive things and stuff like that. But we'll save that for, for another time or for my classes. Love it. I get to. it yeah, save a little so that they, you know, this is a good promotion so that they come to you. <laughs> <laughs> Think about how much more I could share if I if you know had what, a full like, day with me. <laughs> at, at the same time too, like I, I try to keep it real. Like, I mean, look, we're, we're, we're cutting hair. Like we're not, 
you know, doctors are not curing coronavirus or cancer or anything like that. Yeah. Um, we're cutting hair. So like, you know, I, I try not to ever let things get away from me either. Like I, I, I and that's why working in the shop, I feel is so important. And grounds you always, a bit. Yeah. And that's why like, that's when you said, what's your next goal or your dream? Like part, like splitting my time between education and the shop is important to me because still having them connections with my clients and the boys in the shop and the team is, is important. And even like being at home here with my, you know, with my girlfriend and stuff is really important to me too. Like I see some people out there traveling the world, doing education and it's great, but it can be a bit lonely. And I know that what that's like from cycling, it's a bit of a lonely existence. You know, you don't really have that, you know, it looks great on paper for people looking at your Instagram yeah. And you're putting up the highlights, but they don't see all the shit parts, you know, or they don't see like all of the times you're really working hard and for nothing. Like, yeah, totally. Or- and that is a massive thing in our industry. That is something I've always said from the beginning. We do so much shit for free, you know, hairdressers, so like yeah. how many photo shoots have you been on or classes that you go to assist? Like I have done so many for free hours because we love it but then I also think why or why is it just like maybe it's not just hairdressing but why do we succumb to that and think that it's okay to do all this stuff for free too but you put in so many hours and there's so much behind the scenes that Mm -hmm. you work your ass off and exactly what you said you are working full-time in the salon and still on your days off developing and doing all this and that's the difference I think too between people who are going to make it or not it's that extra few percent when you get to any level of anything it's just putting in that extra few percent is what's going to get you it's going to make the difference um, between being like a good stylist and being a great stylist you know um and you know I feel like you know the stuff that you do for free a lot of the time you can't really put a price on that stuff. The, the takeaways and the learnings that you, you, you get from that. hundred percent. And then that. networking, like I, like, you know, the people that I've met on photo shoots and even for this situation of me being like, I feel proud of myself that I've moved to another country where I didn't know anyone. And maybe you relate from, I don't know about Ireland, but I'm obviously from North America. So there's a whole different celebrity say hairdressing tier of Instagram people and you go to the behind the chair show and all the people who are on stage people here have no idea who they even are so you'll do you know what I mean like you move and I'm like I don't know who any of these people are and the fact it's refreshing refreshing at that that point but um continue sorry no but it's just interesting that that was a huge eye-opener for me when I came here and say someone like me who I've worked for Candy Shaw who I think is like you know god (laughs) and me being like and people coming here and people being like who I'm like what what do you mean (laughs) like it's shocking and the the Instagram celebs here and all these influencers are so different everywhere you go that I think it is important to exactly what you said, not get caught up in that because you can become this massive yeah. person in Australia and you go back to Ireland, nobody knows who you are. Or- yeah, I, I, never, I never really like to get um, caught up in that at all. Um, yeah. And, you know, for me, I see a lot of, you know, there's one thing looking at people from, on Instagram or wherever you may find your inspiration and looking at them for what they are like and looking towards them and saying, okay, I would love to be like that one day, but 
I've learned a lot from people by looking at them and saying, you know what, I actually don't want to be like that. I don't yeah. want to be like that person or whatever. Um, so it's important to stick on, on your own journey. But for me, it's the same. It's so refreshing coming out here. And, you know, there's such talent in the industry in Australia that I didn't know about when I was in Ireland. And it's quite um, a small group. As much as there's so many of us, when you go, obviously you're going to the expos and the um, awards nights and, you know, all these things, every event that you go to, it's the same people because we're all on this same island, you know? You're not coming from anywhere yeah, else. That it definitely is nice because it's the same people again and again, but also sometimes can get a bit repetitive. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, like going back to the initial point, like doing stuff for free, sometimes ends up being the most valuable stuff that you do like i've i've got a few boys like who have come to me over time like and said you know like why you know there's a, a show or something or a showcase and an open night and they're like how much are they paying you and it's like they're not paying me anything like but i get to go and showcase my work to a bunch of like you know 500 hairdressers or something that's where you know, i cool saw you first i think was at the master's open mic night yeah, but it's like, so that that's exactly what I'm talking about. And it's yeah. like, why would I not do something like that? You know, like you get an opportunity to present yourself to hundreds of people. Yeah. And, you know, what if half of them ended up wanting to book you to do work exactly. at their shop? Exactly. That is literally like that. exactly it. And I just got this advice from my boss who I'm working for Belinda Keeley. And she was like, put stuff out for free. And I think as educators or as people were like, Oh my God, I'm not going to put, I'm not going to show you how to paint a hairline. Like you have to pay me for that. But just because I've shown you how to do it doesn't mean that you're not going to book me because you're going to be like, Holy shit. She painted that hairline. Great. I actually want to know more. And exactly what you said. I'm watching you in that open mic night being like, God, he's, he's seems cool. You know, (laughs) probably. Yeah. Just like, (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, this it's guy's just, a loser. But, just, um, but watching you do that, if I was wanting to learn barbering, I'd be like, oh, I saw this guy and I kind of vibed with him and I, I like the way that he explained things. And that's how you're exactly right, how you're going to get the booking. Yeah, and like that's more valuable to you and builds like a, I don't know, it's just it's profile building, isn't it? It's just all about building up here, depending yeah. on what your goals are. It's like profile building. And I see that as like, you know, people will pay a videographer or a photographer thousands of dollars to do promotional work for them. Yeah. But then they won't do something like that for free where they're getting free promotional work. It doesn't really make sense. And then, you know, the, on the other side of it, what you said there and you touched on something just there, it was like somebody won't do something without getting paid for it. That's ego. And you're getting a little bit too, in my Irish ways, you know, people in Ireland say this a lot and, you know, I'm not really traditionally, um, Irish in disrespect but you know you don't want to be getting too far ahead of yourself either you know like sometimes you need to reel it back in a little bit and realize you know you're not like you're cutting hair you know you're not yeah. like I said saving lives or you're not you know changing the world all that much you know you just it all depends on your goals but like yeah doing stuff for free is essential and I'm the same like I've done so much on, online for free put out so many videos yeah, your youtube uh, channel which i think is so cool and i've always been like well why would you do that you're putting your classes out there for free but you're right you're putting snippets mm-hmm. but you know what there's like we were saying earlier about like having your own education and your own kind of way of doing things there's only so much in my opinion that 
you can learn technique wise but for me if i was to go and take a class right now i'd want to be going to the class for the experience and to be around that person and to be inspired from them and to learn yeah. their ways or like you know if i like someone's work i'll go to their class even though you know you can probably go to someone else's class and learn the same amount of information but you might not particularly like their their work or how they are as a person or I don't know there's like so many elements to it but um I I don't know I just feel like putting yourself out there it attracts more people towards your stuff and and I mean you essentially then get the people who want who you like the people who come to see you for you um are going to be the clients that you want so people buy into like why you do things not what you do that's what I'm kind of the get at and who you are too you know like yeah exactly and what you stand for you know so like the the reason way behind it like I put that stuff out there for free and do all of this stuff for free because I genuinely enjoy doing it you know yeah like I love the content that I get away from it I like having the creative freedom to do whatever I want in front of of my peers I like the the challenge that it sets for myself in trying to do that too like I like the feeling of being nervous and like I don't know. I just get like a thrill from that or something. And I yeah, guess I even exciting. felt it this morning. Like I don't really get nervous very often. And like as soon as I sent you the link, I was like, oh, I'm like, I have to pee. I'm having a nervous pee. <laughs> like I just was like, <laughs> what am I going to talk about? And then I'm like, oh, just be yourself. Like you just can talk, you know, like yeah, there's no yeah, script. Yeah. There's no planning before I, you know, I didn't even talk to you before. This. Exactly. I just sent you a DM and I, said, do you want I to talk that. to me? I, I literally, I love that feeling. Like, I almost, like, chase that feeling in a way. It's like, even before I do anything, like, shows at, at, at expos and whatever in front of loads of people, it's like, what is the worst thing? I, I go over it in my head. I'm like, what is the worst thing that can happen, you know? Yeah, what is? Tell us. When you think of, when you think of the consequences of what that is, it, the consequences aren't really, like, that crazy. So, like, you know, even if the worst possible outcome happens nothing's really going to change for me as a person, you know, or my happiness or whatever. Um, but I don't know. You see, this is the thing when you say, what is the worst thing that can happen? I don't even really think about that. Like I, I always yeah. assume case scenario, everything that I ever do, I always assume best case scenario, I guess Love maybe it. like, I don't know. What would be the worst thing that could happen? I get this horrific nervous rash, but it's not even like, stuff nervous it's it's probably like happened now that i'm talking about it it'll start happening but i get this like rash up my neck and then when i public speak and i'm confident i'm not i don't have any issue talking but i get it and then once i know it's happening it's like oh you have a rash i'm like oh my god don't point it out it's gonna get worse like i I hate that about myself but i can't control it it's not because i'm nervous or any or if i'm mad or if i'm uncomfortable anything it happens it's all up my neck like I hate I that. <laughs> I always wear a turtleneck. <laughs> I know. I get the like. I get a little bit like nervous sweats in a way, but not like too <laughs> over the top. I don't know what's worse. <laughs> I kind of get like the kind of sticky hands a little bit before, right before I go on, and I'm like, oh. yeah. But you're but right. That's, that's kinda... the feeling you chase, and once you get on stage and you feel comfortable, and like that's what we're all the people who <laughs> like that. That's what we're chasing. It's like a release afterwards too when you come when you finish up you're like ah that was actually great you know and then it's just nice uh, I feel like it's just a nice way to 
Um, I like to be in a position or my ideal goal would be to be in a position where people would kind of aspire to to operate the way that you operate or yeah. or like, you know. I think um, that's what we want too. Like when we are people who are wanting to chase that, like I want to be, for me, it was Sonia Dove, who is this amazing colorist. And I went to a, a behind the chair show and she was on stage. And that was the first time probably I just finished my apprenticeship and I went to this massive show. It was in New Orleans and I was mm-hmm. watching her on stage and I was bawling because I was like, that is, and she's, I don't know how old she is. She's in her fifties or something. And I was like, I, what's, I have time to get there, you know, like those people, yeah. like we're coming up and we're, we're hopefully going to be the next that, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it is attainable. But I remember watching that and being like, this is it. That was my moment that I was like, yeah. I can do something yeah. more. I could be up there. But then I get that flip of being like, but I actually don't have the ideas to share. Like, I just want to be up there talking. Maybe. No, <laughs> I just I don't know. You know what? Though, what's really interesting about that is like, I, I feel in a way that I never want to get there. Like I want to continuously just be like that one step kind of away from it. You know, like I want to always be chasing it, you know? Yeah. Like say if I look at it like you're going up the stairs like or, or like a ladder and you know when you're right near the top of that ladder I just want somebody to extend a few more steps on every time you know and just keep yeah. kind of going that way because I feel like I learned that from say from my experience of, of creating that the collection that I did this year and the first that's, that's the first bit of editorial work that I did this um, ever and you know for months I was creating it by myself, come up with all the ideas, did everything. And the days of the shoots and stuff, I found that, you know, even though in that initial moment, I wasn't getting any gratification externally, I felt internally the happiest. So now when it's out and it's, you know, it's been published in a few different places and and whatever happens with it now, I'm kind of like, I never get overjoyed by it because I've already had that. The joy was in creating it. Yeah, so like what I'm trying to say really is like, you know, it's more about the process and the journey of like growing and creating something for me rather than the actual results itself. Like, you know, the result can be actually a bit of an anticlimax sometimes. Yeah. Um, and what you need to realize is like, we kind of only really need to live in the now, you know, like not to be too preachy about it or anything, but no, like, I like it. living in the moment now and working on what you're working on now and being happy with that. Um, brings me back to a point that I said earlier and that's like being happy with what you have while you work for what you want and that's I feel like the ultimate place of of happiness yeah Um, because you know the same thing over here you know like I've had you know and money and stuff like that is not like a measurable kind of way of deciding how happy you are like I've had twenty dollars in my bank account over here and I've had you know we're both in this what, situation if, right whatever. now where we're not no, like, getting anything. <laughs> or if I had, if I had 200,000, like, yeah, there's a few material things that would make you happier, but like I've had, I've been kind of comfortable and I've been completely uncomfortable. But like when I look at it on a larger scale of things, I've never been any happier or unhappier. Um, so that's so nice. That's really good information in the present moment, you know, and kind of just working on what you're working on and, and you know having something to aspire towards is is important to keep your the fire lighting I, I feel like it just adds fuel to the fire and like that's that's another analogy that's like like similar to the state like to the ladder you know like 
when the fire is about to run out, like just put a little bit more coal in and keep it moving, you know. That's my in Canada we put a bit more wood then. on the wood on the fire. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Throw another log in. Yeah. Oh my That's god. What, Last night we got stuck watching this two hour two year survival in the wilderness show. I don't even know how. I've turned my <laughs> Irish partner into a Canadian lumberjack. And I was like watching it. I'm like, what the hell are we even watching? Like Oh my God. Ridiculous. I know. But yeah, I, I like to use a lot of analogies and this and that, but, um, but yeah, I, I feel like, you know, I am quite a, a deep person when it comes to that kind of stuff. Like I've, I've always had that kind of real strong mindset. I feel when it yeah. comes to achieving my, my goals and nobody can tell me if I believe that I can do something like nobody can really tell me any different than uh, that's why I feel like so confident with, with the academy and where it's going to go. And, you know, yeah. we, we haven't even really done anything with it yet. Like we've, we've haven't filmed any content. We haven't really we've done nothing really. We've done a couple of training days internally with our staff and uh, getting everyone on the same page. I've been working for hours on it, like, but uh, in terms of promoting it and external, we've not really done that much. So I'm looking forward to being able to share that with everybody. And, and I guess that's what I'm looking forward to. Um, within the future of, of my career here in Australia. So, Love it. Well, thank you so much for talking to me and wanting to talk to me. And I feel like this has just no been problem. for my own no self Absolute really pleasure. inspiring and motivating. And it, yeah, no, it's, I think it's people will get pleasure, a lot no. out of it. And like, you know, I think it's really great with what you're doing. Like I said at the beginning, it's like, it's great to like throughout this time. I feel like if you come out of this lockdown time with nothing new, started up or nothing new that you're working on or you know you've kind of wasted it in a way so like whoever yeah. is going to listen to this like use it for, in your for your advantage like use it to your advantage I should say totally um I've never know, had the time like I am an absolute night owl like I am you saying you're going for a morning cycle I'm like oh great I'll have a lion <laughs> and we'll be ready to go <laughs> at noon because I thrive at nighttime the only time I get my ideas is like after 8 p.m and I've been able to stay up till 3 a.m and just power out and pump out these thumbnails and I've got like pages and pages of notes and shit that I would never have been able to do before because I got to get up for my job in the morning and I don't function if I don't sleep like that. And it's just, this time has allowed us, allowed me anyway, to do something that I never, ever would have done. I would have never put the effort into this if I was working. And like, you know, when you come home from work too, you're just like, just drained, like all your energy from talking to people all day um, and you're just energy from standing up all day you're just drained you don't have the energy to put into something new and something fresh and for us like you know longer term with the academy it would have been our goal to start like a beginner's course next year maybe once we had like a year of business done with upskilling and now i think coming out of this we're going to be pretty close to putting together the full beginner's course so amazing um, that's very exciting too and you know it's just given me a time to get my health on track you know i haven't been i haven't been drinking any alcohol alcohol which is very un-irish of me wow um, very un-irish yeah and you know what like i'm coming out of it thinking i might give it up altogether it's actually slowing me down wow sir you know? good on you just only only for special occasions like hair expo and like a good like hair expo yeah like something oh, like if that, it like, doesn't even exist anymore we'll have to invent our own or something i know i'll just that could be our next myself. feat <laughs> I'll, have, I'll have two beers and i'll be embarrassing myself so. <laughs> 
and uh, classic crystal but yeah and i think again thank you very much for having me i really appreciate it uh, and the chat and you know it's even chats like this it's just i really enjoy it you know like i'm obviously sharing my insights and my thoughts with somebody else who is passionate and in their niche in the industry as well and it's something different you know you get a little bit of a, a different insight and you know i look forward to hearing the rest of your episodes and thank the amazing you. people that you get on amazing well i am going to click just stop recording but yeah thank you so much and i just i'm really appreciative of people I think it surprises me when people are like, oh yeah, I'll talk to you. I'm like, really? <laughs> you want to? <laughs> yeah, nobody, and, nobody's really doing like nobody's really doing it, you know. So it's like, why, why not? You know, like, I mean, it's this a good is how you start it's, something, you know. It's the same as uh, as a stage, you know. Like I look at everything like a stage. Everything, you know, you it's another opportunity for some, certain people to hear you speak, or you know, uh, an opportunity to present yourself. Yeah. Um, similar to like the open mic or whatever. Yeah. So, no, thank you. Love it. Thank you.